0: Hey folks, Randy Newberg here. I am in back in uh, Bozeman, Montana. Uh, I'm trying to get reacclimated to the, the 2021 schedules here, hoping, praying that life is different than it was in 2020. Uh, today, with me, I have two of our crew that you've come to know pretty well uh, Marcus Hockett, Michael Parente. Um, we're going over a season recap. Uh, talking about what lessons were learned. Uh, The title of this probably is going to follow a thread I started out on my Hunt Talk Forum called 2020, A Season to Forget, A Season to Remember. And uh, anyhow, we're going to touch on all that, touch on what we learned from what is definitely our hardest year we've ever had in 13 years of doing this. I've never had a year that had as many challenges and struggles as 2020 did. And given the way that other people's lives were affected, I'm, I'm not complaining. Uh, we came out of it better than a lot of people did. But uh, we, we try our best every year when we make mistakes or have challenges to make a note and say, all right, what did we learn from that? And that's a lot of what this podcast is gonna be. But before we get to that, and I hit the button here, and these two guys sitting across from me, uh, their mics will be connected. Uh, I want to talk about the companies that make all this possible. Um, Loupooled, they uh, you know family-owned U.S. company out in Beaverton, Oregon. Make amazing optics. Have for you well know, longer than I've been around. Uh, I've I bought my first Goldring uh, product. I think I was fourteen or fifteen, uh, and their products have gotten better and better every year. They're improving, and you know. Yeah, I don't need to go on and on, but the other thing they do is they make huge contributions to shooting, public land, access, conservation, and we're proud to... To be one of their partners or have them as a partner so go to loophole.com, check out all their new optics for this year there's some new stuff that's coming out uh if you're looking for uh, a vx3 hd the new replacement to the vx3i uh, i can promise you you are going to be very impressed so you might want to get your pocketbook out and then we have nosler another family-owned company uh, great story of of just innovation at its finest, the American story of innovation, right? Uh, we uh, had John Nosler on this podcast uh, last summer, and he told us the Nosler story, and it's it's worth a listen, Um they are working round-the-clock nonstop. Uh, we all know that there is a, a huge demand for ammunition, and they're working as hard as they can to produce it, but you can only produce so much, uh, and it's all, all flying out the door. But for us, we, uh, you know, when we're out hunting, we're always using E-tips, acubones, or partitions and if you want to go see whether it's their bullets their components their their factory ammo uh, go to nosler.com and i am sure you will find something there that uh, would definitely be uh, of interest to you uh, an interesting guy that uh, we've came across, and, and uh, he's he and his company are part of this podcast, is uh, John over at the Wild Alaska Seafood Box. Um, John grew up in Petersburg, Alaska, fished all his life, and it has a very high concern about sustainable wild fish uh, stocks and also about how that fish is harvested. And he has started his company to connect those fishermen he knows and the great quality of, of seafood that they provide. Uh, he knows how it's caught. He knows the commitment those fishermen have to sustainability. And so he connects them directly to you through his company, Wild Alaska Seafood Box. Go there, and when you use promo code Randy, he's going to give you free scallops for the life of your subscription. And Mystery Ranch Backpacks. Oh man, great friends of ours. I just got a card from them. Uh, This is their 20th year. Uh, Amazing Dana. (laughs) Before that, he had Dana Designs, and he's been in the backpack business forever. Uh, But he's the founder of uh, Mystery Ranch Backpacks. Him and Renee over there have done amazing things. And uh, they're great packs for us. So. If you want a Mystery Ranch pack, here's what I'm going to give you a little tidbit of how you can save 10%. Go to gohunt.com and pretty much everything you put in your in your cart at Go Hunt. Not everything sale items. There's a few things that are excluded, but most things, including Mystery Ranch packs, when you buy it and when you check out, you use promo code Randy. They'll give you 10% off pretty much everything in your cart. So, how's that, huh? What a country. And then we we do a lot of special podcasts, bonus podcasts, we call them. We do a lot of uh, bonus videos on our YouTube channel about how to draw a tag because the first step in going hunting is to have a tag. And we use Go Hunts insider service for doing all of that research. We use their strategy articles. We use all of the, the new maps, the new 3D maps they've come out with. Uh you know, the, the best draw odds out there. Um, recently you've heard me do some podcasts with them about point creep, about the behind the scenes, how Brandon and his crew actually make sure the data that you get is the best information available. So if you want to sign up for the insider, use promo code Randy, and they are going to give you a $50 gift card in their gear shop when you use promo code Randy. So with that, I think we got them all covered. I want to thank those companies for helping us create content that you get to consume for free, whether it's video, whether it's podcasts, social, whatever. Uh, And Michael and Marcus are here. So I'm going to hit the button and we're going to talk about 2020 season, lessons learned, and some that we wish we could forget. Thanks for being here. Well, folks, I told you that uh, it was time for a season wrap up. And I think this is the only day in the last five months that me and Marcus and Michael have been in town at the same time. And here it is, what, January? Almost end of January? 25th? Yeah. Something like that. And uh, we also have two other important crew members who hang out with us, uh, Dale and Jonathan. Uh, they're always behind the camera. And uh, if we were going to try to coordinate all five of us, this podcast would never get done. No way. So... Uh, I'll be interested in what you guys think. But out on our hunt talk forum, I just pulled up my computer, and when I was stricken with COVID uh, during the the month of December, I wrote a thread called "2020: A Season to Forget and a Season to Remember."
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> we had some we had some rough times. We also had, we ended up having some really good times. Yeah. We did, but I would say from a content standpoint and just weather and conditions and what we thought would be great hunts that didn't turn out that way, 2020 is the hardest year in the 13 years I've been doing this. I don't know. Michael, you've been here four years. Marcus, you've been here five? I guess. Yeah. I I forget. It all kind of blends together. I don't know. Have you (laughs) you guys seen... uh, Harder years than this:
2: I mean, our success rate was definitely a little bit lower
0: this year, for sure, yeah, yeah it was it was way lower than I would have liked it to be, but that's the way it goes sometimes. yeah, I mean, I always hope for a hundred percent success, but well, I wouldn't be hunting if we them every time <laughs> I mean, you got to have
3: some failures in order to have the the good times be good, what Scott Jones says it'd be
0: called catching. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I would say the hunt that surprised me the most that it was hard was when you went up to Alaska with Jim Heffelfinger and Jim Bagedow. Yeah.
3: No, it was an awesome time, but yeah, we sure didn't kill any deer.
0: Yeah. And normally Bagedow's sending us pictures of bucks that he shot that week in November. I almost get tired of looking at my phone. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought you were jerking my chain. When when you said oh I didn't kill a deer. Didn't hardly see any deer. I'm like, oh no. But yeah. That being but, said though, I mean, I think we still
3: put together a cool show. It was mm-hmm. really fun being with those two, with Page Tail and Helpful Finger. They just have an insane amount of knowledge about deer and the habitat and just just the most random things. They're yeah. just like it was very very fun to walk around in the woods with them and and to capture that. I yeah. mean, we didn't shoot anything, but it was it was a successful episode. Oh, I, I thought just it not was. very successful in harvesting any meat. Yeah,
0: I thought it was <laughs> great. And when I went to YouTube and looked at all the comments, I think the audience really enjoyed it. Also, the just the visuals, even though it rained all the time, mm-hmm. are, are just. It's a unique landscape where people are interested in seeing it. It's something they don't see much of. And then, like you said, when you add Jim and Jim to the yeah. mix, it's, yeah, it's like having two natural historians.
3: Well, I'm excited for the, the Amazon Amazon cut because yeah. we'll have another longer version that's more polished for Amazon. Mm. And that, I mean, we were we recorded interviews for that that haven't been shown on YouTube yet. And those are really exciting to me because there was a lot of knowledge shared on there that didn't get put into the YouTube versions. But uh, we're going to pull from some of the uh reindeer film footage, too, from, cool. was that 27, 28? When did we shoot that? In 2018. 2018. 2018. Yeah. But anyway, so I think it'll be, like, that's going to be a really cool episode for Amazon, too. So.
0: Yeah. But yes, we, <clears throat> as far as the killing of deer, it was rough. Well, that's the beauty of, I guess, of our platform, is it's not about... Did we kill one, or did we fill every tag, or did we get the biggest one on the mountain? We work hard at trying to tell a story that fits no matter the outcome. But I'll admit to kicking the dirt pretty hard. It's uh,
2: Yeah, we had a few like that, but then we had one, ones like your Colorado elk hunt where it just worked out
0: perfect. Yeah, Yeah, that was... Oh yeah. That, yeah, that that worked. That, that yeah. was like—I mean—that was just like textbook, uh, like. It, it, yeah. If ever I sent a script in the elk Reddit, it, how was that? Yeah. Colorado elk hunt, and uh, Michael, you filmed that, and one of our interns, Kyler, he came along and was camera number two on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, It's—I guess that that hunt is a good explanation of how complicated our life got with COVID. You guys are probably so tired of. Me saying, hey, you got to go get a COVID test. Got to go get a COVID test. <laughs> Love getting that thing shoved up into your brain. Yeah. That's and then, the uh, well, they're not getting, they say they won't do it because they're too busy or mm-hmm. you got to have symptoms. Did any of you guys ever have symptoms?
3: Not not really. I mean, no. Yeah. I mean, you get a runny nose and you're like, huh. You get paranoid because <laughs> everyone's getting COVID. But no.
0: but the the Colorado elk hunt, I'd been dreaming of hunting there forever it seems like uh michael and uh kyler and i j- jump in the truck we go pick up our llamas we get through the the rat race of salt lake city my one uh lds friend my mormon friend who lives there he calls it the mormon 500 Yeah, it's scary. because about the time well <laughs> north of ogden all the way through past provo to spanish fork is just chaos oh yeah in your are a trailer full of llamas. And your truck is loaded to the gills. And people are, and no matter how much space you give the vehicle in front of them, in front of you, someone pulls in there. And then you you slow down a little bit. And someone, it's like, after a while, you're like, heck with it. I'm just going the same speed they are then. <laughs> oh, and like, yeah, but, <laughs>
3: speed limit there's 90 miles an hour. Yeah. It's just I mean, it's not, but it is for... Yeah. For all purposes, I mean, it seems like it's 90 miles an hour Uh, if you're going to not get
0: rear-ended. So we did that, and then uh, the summit going from there over to Price, Utah, we camped that night and then got over to Colorado the next day. Camped at the trailhead, uh, and we were on this tight calendar because we only had a day and a half to hunt. So we could get back to Montana and I could get COVID tested because I had to hurry and get on a plane and fly to New Mexico for our sweepstakes winner. Oh, that's right. So here's a five-day hunt. All of a sudden becomes a day and a half hunt because of COVID. But we pulled it off. Yeah, pulled it off. Yeah. I mean, that. there were two elk there that they read the script. Yeah. The one, the scouting day, I just about fell over. I just, <laughs> uh, the first little cow calls I made in my bugle tube. Mm-hmm. This guy is wound up. That would have been so great if that would have been opening day. Yeah. Oh, are they different bulls?
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just thought it was the same bull when uh-huh. I watched uh-huh. it. Uh-uh. No, we went up there the next day and opening day, and we're kind of let down a little bit. Gotcha. We went up there and cow called, and nothing. <laughs> uh,
0: I, could, I could see obvious displeasure in Michael's face like, oh, man, <laughs> I thought we had him tied up here. But... uh then we ended up getting one later that morning, maybe about a mile and a half yeah. from there. So, and then uh, came home and went to New Mexico, and that was our sweepstakes winner. Uh, Ty, super good guy. We've been so lucky with our sweepstakes winners; they've all been amazing, great, fun people to hang out with. And Dale filmed that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, This is a really funny story, and we we need to figure out how we do videos about public lands and etiquette and, uh, you know, to the new public land user. So you've been to this spot before, Marcus. Uh, You've filmed there. We're most of the way up the hill, almost to the radio tower. Mm -hmm. Uh, And on the right-hand side, there's there's a campground that's always closed. Well, because of COVID, they'd closed the campgrounds and we pull off to the side there's a flat area there over a little roll in the hill and so we're camped there me dale and uh ty we each got our tent spread out it's kind of quiet and you know hearing the elk bugle at night well friday in between the friday was a scouting day between the morning scout and the evening scout, about noon, they are I don't know, making lunch or something. Here comes a rig, pulls up. It's a big SUV, and it is loaded to the gills with people and gear. On the top in the luggage rack, it's got ropes tying everything down, and some guy comes walking up. He's like, hey, you're camped here. Uh, I'm from El Paso. Can I camp here? I'm like... Public land, you can camp wherever you want. <laughs> He's like, really? How do I know that what's public land? Oh, I said, seriously? well, well uh, this is forest service. And I said, anything that's forest service, dispersed camping is allowed even when the campgrounds are closed. He's like, wow, that's so cool. Like, hmm. So he jumps in his raids, thank you, and he takes off. About an hour later, he comes back and he parks right next to our vehicle's. And they start unloading the vehicle. And you know, it's like the old cartoon in the in the Volkswagen and like forty-eight people climb out of the Volkswagen bug. This is what it's like. And they go and set up a camp right near us. I'm like, this is a million and a half acre forest, and he's gonna set up oh, this is Well, man. he said he could camp there. I, I did. <laughs> you know, so what do you what do you do, you know? Well, all of a sudden about an hour later here comes three more SUVs and trucks loaded to the gills they <laughs> oh have it looked like a playground right there next to us and at night the kids are up you know screaming and yelling and singing and listening to music and they're playing beach ball or whatever and i'm like oh man
3: i think this that's is- fairly common i've i've ha- i've experienced that a few times where you? i think people are just like people are this com- is the yeah. campground and like no 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 like i camped here because i want to be away <laughs> <Yeah>. from everybody <laughs> like and people find comfort in like staying right yeah, next exactly. to someone it's like no no like th- you're missing the point here but right. i just think they've never experienced it they didn't I, uh, like they don't know any better yeah so uh, did you guys stay
2: there the whole the whole week Where'd you oh, yeah. guys move?
0: No, I, it's like I'm not relocating. We're near the top here. <laughs> it's it's really centrally located for the scouting places that mm-hmm. I had in mind. And so it's like, well, I'm not going to move. They'll, you know, they, they'll, they'll quiet down after a while. <laughs> no, no. Were they hunting? No, they just did, hanging out. They were, all yeah. came up from El Paso. It was a weekend, <laughs> and they were getting away from the crowds of El mm-hmm. Paso. Right. And uh, you know, is what it is. the The only downside, and I think again, this is where my comment of new public land users comes in. When they left, it was a pretty big mess, and I just suspect they don't realize that. Hey, guess what? No one comes up here and picks this up. Yeah, no, that's disappointing. Yeah. But and so uh, I mean, toilet paper everywhere. Yeah. Like, um, okay, <laughs> what do you do? I mean. Uh, this year, the amount of toilet paper and litter I saw was immense every place I went. And I mean, if I were to pick up all the litter I saw, I wouldn't have got any hunting in this year. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah. So this hunt was, so uh, we go up, the wind blows 50 miles an hour opening day and Ty passes the raghorn. Uh, and we go to another spot. Um don't see anything, come back, go on another day. And that evening we see this bull across back behind our camp. And I know that the highway comes through there, but there's this cliff. And I'm like, well, we'll just go down underneath this cliff in the morning. And if he's out in this little open area, boy, we're going to dump him right, right below the highway. Well, we weren't the only ones who saw him. <laughs> we go in there in the dark and all of a sudden after daylight... Rocks start rolling down the cliff. And uh, one of them hit the camera, and Dale's like, What the? And then I hear some voices up there, and then I hear this bugle. And I come crawling up there. I'm like, what are you doing? And there's like five people standing (laughs) on the shoulder of the highway, bugling, rolling rocks down the cliff. On purpose? On purpose. And they said, well, we saw a bull in here last night. We thought maybe we could push him out of here and get a shot (laughs) at him. Flush him
3: out out of here. here.
0: That's, That's what the plan is. And so I came back and... I t- told Ty, I'm like, you know, I've hunted a lot of years. I've never had anybody come and roll rocks down at me. Oh, it's and a good uh, method. My, I've seen Michael <laughs> use that method. I, I
3: don't, don't know yeah, if it's really a good gotta, method gotta, gotta or not. Shake things up a bit.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time, make sure no one's down there. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, it not be good. But Ty <laughs> ended up shooting a bull. It was his first bull, and nice. it, it, it. Uh, illustrates, this was the windiest year I've ever had hunting in my whole life. Our footage, the audio, to me, anyhow, doesn't meet our normal standards of quality because the wind just screamed and screamed and screamed. And in Ty's hunt, we missed the fur, not missed it, but up where we went the one time with Tracy and Bruce up in there, it was blowing so hard up there, you could hardly stand up. Dang. And so... That's the first three days, and these are only five-day seasons in New Mexico. So the fourth morning, when the wind laid down, we went up there, and I heard a bull bugling right at daylight. I'm like, I know exactly where he is, because we've been through there so many times, and there he was. And I told Ty, I said, I can't tell you if he's a raghorn or a 5 point, but he's legal. That'll work. <laughs> That'll <do>. Boom. <laughs> nice. But, you know, when you're down to your last two days, you, you have all these visions of big things, and... Don't always work that way, but so the wind uh, really—it just sucked. (laughs) I mean, in Wyoming, when we hunted with Bo and and Lorenzo, the wind blew up on that mountain every night, trying to get some. I don't care what tent it is—if the wind's slapping the tent, it's just hard to sleep. Yeah. So that was a mess with when My Montana hunts, I tried to go and film myself because our calendar was all messed up. And you guys were here and there. And Michael, you were in Idaho and eastern Montana. Mm -hmm. Dale was, well, it was his anniversary one time. (laughs) Uh, And I always promise everybody you get your anniversary off. But you better get married, Michael. Then you get an extra day off. Um, So I tried to film myself. In 40, 50 mile an hour winds. And the audio is just, I think it's unusable.
3: Yeah, I don't, it doesn't really matter what
0: microphone you have at that point. Yeah. You just kind of have
3: to get out of the wind.
0: Yeah. And uh, the elk aren't standing out in the open (sighs) when it's 40, 50 miles an hour. And then you have to glass into the wind to find them. Real fun. (laughs) Yeah. And then you guys went to Alaska for moose. If you guys would have told me you would come back without having an an encounter with a moose, I would have said not in a million years. You guys must have just drank beer the whole time. Yep, yeah, that's what we did. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we could, yeah, uh, no, I, was, well, I, I can't remember how much we touched on it on our last mid-season podcast, but yeah, I mean, that was a... We got our butts kicked on that trip. It was a... We didn't see a legal moose.
2: Ah, oh, that one. Yeah. We saw... The one we did see was not legal by many inches yeah and then got killed red yeah after we saw it <laughs> yeah. he was fired up though
3: <laughs> oh, oh yeah she, we were literally standing on the road and he was coming into our call so that was pretty cool to see
1: that yeah. Was,
2: well yeah but even like the like that we tried fishing struck out yeah the caribou is what in hindsight we need if we had
3: more time to allocate yeah. towards the caribou that would have been a blast because it was a blast yeah. I mean, that was the highlight of the trip, is chasing yeah. caribou around. Yeah,
2: there's a bunch of them. Well, there were at least one when, when we were
0: there. Yeah, I don't know how lucky we got, but I can't believe Kara missed a ptarmigan oh i know yeah (laughs) she's real sad about that she she was always high on my list as being our kind of ace in the hole that if when the going got rough kara would pull the rabbit out of the hat and she misses a ptarmigan i'm like oh man she's this is not going to be a good trip if right out of the gate we miss a ptarmigan we did get one grouse one grouse did you Yep. huh
2: one, one grayling got one grouse and we didn't really bring any meat because we're gonna be we're gonna uh, uh, we're gonna be shooting grouse and tarm again catching Uh, fish so we we ate basically a lot of pasta a lot of pasta a lot of (laughs) vegetables not a lot of meat that's where you jinxed yourself
0: you know if you guys were loaded up and well, in Fairbanks, meats, you know, you know, burgers, like $18 a pound or something. <laughs> you guys would have certainly had all... You would have had to probably step out of the way to just let the moose walk by. <laughs> Likely. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, I started the season off with Nevada archery, and like normal, it was a dud. But it was fun hanging out with our buddy Scott. Yeah. And uh, I... uh I got three stocks in, yeah, again, the wind screamed on two of them uh that should have been a, a kind of a an awakening that you know what if the wind blows this hard in Nevada, it's just gonna be a windy season, so but it's always fun to go with Scott. he is such a just the nicest guy ever. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's <laughs> so that's positive. It's like, really the only way you can say it. just the nicest guy you could ever have for a friend. <laughs> and I've known Scott since 1986, I think is when we first met. met him through our... My roommate at the time was a mutual friend we have who was Scott's skiing buddy, uh, Craig Campbell. Um, so whenever we go to Nevada... We always have Scott there with us. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, we get some grief about Scott joining us. Some people in the comments are, oh, it must be nice to have your own guide in Nevada. Well, call it what you want, you know. If I want to, at this point in my life, I'm hunting with my friends. Whether you think they're my guides or whatever, I'm I'm hunting with them. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Some people just have... Uh, I don't know. They they got to come and comment. Haters are going to hate. Yeah. That's why I send them to Facebook. I just tell them, you know what? If, if you're going to be uh, surely that's what Facebook is for. Yeah. I don't so. even log on to Facebook anymore. No. I'd no. blow mine up if we didn't need to have it for this no. platform. That'd be cool. Line up a bunch of computers with Facebook on and shoot it.
3: I don't know if that's how it works, but it'd be, it'd be a good visual.
0: Yeah. yeah. That'd be or have a big fire. Everybody bring your computer. We're having a Facebook fire. <laughs> just desktop backgrounds,
2: Facebook logo, and just throw them in a huge fire. I love it. This reminds me of that
3: What is that movie, Office Space, or where it smashes the computer in.
0: Huh. No? Anybody? <laughs> no. I don't
3: know. Some of Sorry the listeners <laughs> know
0: what I'm talking about. Huh. <laughs> but Nevada is always fun. I I always say, oh, I'm not going next year. And then what do I do? My fifth choice. I always look and see what's the unit that had leftover tags last year, an archery hunt. And that's what I put in for. And I end up going down there trying to scratch it out. And uh, it's tough.
3: Yeah. You you've been successful though. What you got the that one buck, right?
0: Mhm. Yeah. 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 In archery seasons, I'm probably 1 for 6 maybe, something mm-hmm. like that. It's 1 for 7 now, man. I don't know. It's it's not anything to to get right. Not anything you'd build the content story around. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure most people now they see oh, Nevada mail deer. I'll tune in when they're actually going to get close enough to shoot something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but and then you guys went to Idaho for elk and mule deer, and uh, that didn't turn out as expected. But nope, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to talk about
3: that one plenty uh, on the last podcast. Yeah, that was uh, uh, the mistakes and big mess up on my part.
0: <clears throat> oh, wow. Well, if anyone who hasn't ever overlooked something and you know, accidentally. Didn't do what they're supposed to. Probably hasn't hunted very much. So, we, you've beat yourself up enough over that, Marcus. We don't. People can go listen to the old pod, the prior podcast we did in whatever October or something. Yeah. If they want more of that detail. But, Fun times. And then I went to uh, Idaho with Kurt from uh, Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, and I have no idea where the bulls were. We ran into one group of bulls. But we'd see groups of cows and no bulls. And it's September 12th or 10th or something. It's like, what the heck? What's going on here? So then we went to Wyoming. Jonathan filmed the first week. And then you you and I were supposed to do elk hunting after the deer hunt. We did Back there. do well, yeah. elk hunting. Yeah. <laughs> We were supposed to do it back there, but we had no idea we'd shoot three really nice mule deer, and we didn't have any remaining capacity on the llamas to haul anything <laughs> out. So that was that was a remarkable hunt. I, I cannot believe the Bo made it back there as sick as he was.
3: Oh, um, man, just crushed it, too. And I, I missed out on the, the hunt part of it, but I got to be there for the pack out. and Yeah. He... Guy's an animal. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Something's
0: just saying. an animal. He was so sick. We were were hiking in there, and he's dizzy, and he's almost falling over, and he's sweating. And Lorenzo's looking at me like, should we really be doing this? And I'm looking at him like, I'm not sure. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) But when we got back there, uh, Bo, I think, exercised some good discretion in that the first couple days he took it. he, He laid in the tent for most of that time, but... Like he told me, he said, you know, there's only three things in life that will get me up this mountain or make me do something to the effect of get me this excited to get up the mountain. My God, my family, and mountain meal there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, that was so cool. And then, Michael, you were with us in Montana, and you, yeah, we thought you had COVID. Did yeah. you ever find out what you had? I don't no, know.
2: I, I went and... uh I got a COVID test and it was negative mm-hmm. and then they asked me if I want, if I wanted to get some like other stuff done to figure out what was going on. And I was just like, no, it's fine. <laughs> uh, if I don't have COVID, I'm happy. Cause that's what I was worried about was like with right. Bo being sick and being in contact with him. I wanted to make sure that I didn't have it, but I don't know. It must've been like a chest congestion kind of deal. I feel like I couldn't breathe that first day when we were going up the mountain. Yeah. Uh, it was real weird and it was, I felt pretty sick, like a day or two after, but then
0: hmm. after
2: that, I was fine. So,
0: how hard was the wind blowing the first day we went up there with Tim? It 60, was hard. Sixty. It was <laughs> it was blowing hard. Yeah, I mean, sitting over that crest when those frozen bits of snow and ice would hit you in the face, it was just like getting sandblasted. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> it's but, windy. Yeah. And what a change, huh? Last year, Marcus, when we went in there, we shot, what, four bulls in three days among all of us? Yep. And in five... I would have shot one, too, had I had a tag. Right. Yeah. yeah. And over the course of five days, we didn't even see four bulls this year.
3: So. Yeah, That's the way she goes sometimes, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's what they say. It seems like it goes that way too often in 2020. But do you think that we tried too many things, tried too hard, spread ourselves too thin?
3: I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I can see that, but.
0: I do. Yeah.
2: We went on a lot of hunts this year. We did, we did a lot of hunts and we were a lot of, you know, all over the place. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes things just don't work out. And I think that the past couple of years, things have really worked out. Yeah. And if there, I guess if there's a year for things not to work out, 2020 would have been all right.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. It just kind of was par for the course, but
0: yeah, I try to just remember the good ones that uh-huh. we... I'm glad you, have, glad you have that selective memory, Michael. Yeah. You'd be a good quarterback, right? You throw an interception? Oh, I already <laughs> forgot about that. I just remember the touchdown, but I don't remember the interception.
3: Well, and it's hard to, because, yeah, as far as the stuff we filmed, I mean, that was, we had a rough time, too, but it, both Michael and I had decent personal seasons yeah. towards the end there. I mean. Towards the end, yep. As far like, we didn't, we, when, we well, filming, yeah, <laughs> when we stopped filming. Yeah, when we stopped filming.
2: Shot an elk, and Michael shot a nice whitetail buck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's hard to imagine you can go hunt 10 days in a row in Idaho and Montana like I did for deer and not really, I mean, get one opportunity at one, but have that many days and, and not see something that you're excited really to shoot or have an opportunity. And that's kind of what I think. I think I almost jinxed myself uh, for the Montana hunt thinking like, oh, this is cake. Like I've been to this part of Montana. And I'm super confident in this area. And for myself, I wasn't successful, but, you know, Chris got a really nice one. Right. Um, But, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Come back home two days later. (laughs) Shoot the biggest white tail I've ever shot. (laughs) In your flip (laughs) flops. In your Crocs. Yeah, in my Crocs. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, well, I have no excuse for not filling my Montana deer tag. I had chances. But I'm just getting old or lazy or i've lost that predator's edge or i don't know
3: well you also had a elk tag that you know. Were, it was your priority right it was
0: but same thing i i'd see some bulls it's like yeah but <laughs> then the last trip the last couple of days i saw a really nice bull and it was like right on this corner of private public and uh he bedded in the sun one morning, and I'm like, hmm, I think I can get over there. While well, I start hiking over there. He gets up, walks over the edge into the timber, and he's now in private. So I'm like, all right, I know what you're doing. So I go, and also I saw five other bulls the night before just to the northeast of there. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to position myself here where I can hedge my bet. And uh, in the process of getting there, you got to make this big drop down to go around just a little corner of private. Fell, cracked my butt. It's like, um, I'm really getting clumsy in my old age, too. Get over there, and I'm waiting for this big one to come out. I mean, he's a beauty, he, he's just everything you could ever be happy for you know probably 330 inch at least not broken nothing i'd seen some other nicer bulls that were broken well here comes three other bulls from the group of five and they come out and i'm like oh man you're on public oh man i could be over there in 20 minutes and I'm sitting there looking at my watch, knowing what time the, the sun is going to, our shooting light ends, and I'm watching them. I'm like, no, this guy's going to come out. He's going to come out. Finally, I'm thinking, you know what? I only have about 40 minutes left, and this guy's not out. And these guys are just... So I make the decision, all right, I'm going And I start trotting over there, drop behind this ridge, make this big loop. And when I peek up and look, they're on the dead run. I'm like, I'm downwind of them. I'm out of sight. And then they stop. And then they run. And then they stop. And they run. And they stop. They're just... I don't know if the wind had them that goofy or what. The wind's blowing 30, 35. Huh. And, uh, but now all this running they're doing, now they're right back on the edge of private again. And... So I'm like, well, what do I do now? I better wait and see what they do. And it got dark before I, so that was the end of that elk tag that I should have just ran over there. (laughs) I, I, I could have shot one of those so easy. It was a two small five points in a small six point. I mean, it was slam dunk, but no. What do I do? I got visions of sugar plums yeah. dancing in my head, you know? I'm going to wait for this big one to come out.
2: should also preface this that it's, uh, you know, it's a limited entry tag. So, you, like, I feel like on a general tag, you'd been running over or, there and shooting oh, those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. On a general tag, I'd have been on that like a rat on yeah. a cheeto, man. And, but, and it's weird. You, you, you sit there and you think about all these things. The stuff that you that goes through your mind to rationalize why you're making the right decision well what will the audience think well I've built all this story about waiting for this big one now they're gonna think I just feel like I gotta fill a tag because I'm on TV you know we're doing content and if you start down that path it becomes a stupid spiral <laughs> that's like like I said haters are
3: gonna hate if you shoot the big one, you're a trophy hunter, right. good for nothing trophy hunter. If you shoot a little one, then why the heck didn't you do that take
0: justice? Come on, man. I know. Or, so, or uh, <laughs> He's already got an elk from Colorado, and he just felt like he needed to shoot an elk to justify him. It's like, <laughs> Randy, don't even go there. I, and so I'm walking out that night in the dark and I'm telling, I'm kicking myself at this point because I know I got to go home because the next morning we're supposed to put our dog down and I can't let Kim do that by herself. And so I I just concluded that, you know, don't ever start down that path because there's no, like you just mentioned, Mark, There's there's no, no winning outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever way you try to do it, is someone's going to be disappointed, so just hunt for why I hunt and not don't overthink it so yeah, for sure that was that was unfortunate, but the good news is we went to Arizona I was going to say it right after that
3: I feel like you learned from that in yeah. Arizona I did <laughs> I told
0: you on the way down there i I told Marcus about how I let everything kind of i don't know pollute my mind. And I said, the first thing uh, I see, I'm shooting. That even looks remotely close. And uh, we were coos deer hunting in an area of southern Arizona. And Marcus spotted a buck bedded. And then there was another buck bedded. And we ran over there, and I just shot him. I wasn't. I, he could have been the biggest one, or he could have just been like he was. And I didn't really care. I was excited to shoot one. Yeah, you had to break that curse. Because yeah. you'd been down there. A few times and hadn't got one. That was my... Yeah, I'd been down four times previously archery hunting and one time rifle hunting. And the year before on a rifle hunt, again, I let my mind go somewhere that it shouldn't have. It's like passing up these good opportunities, looking for Big Hank, who we'd seen. That's that's one of the the curses of seeing a big animal. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. If you don't kill kill that big one right when you see him, he... He pollutes your judgment every day thereafter and you pass up some other really good opportunities that you would have taken advantage of if, if right. not for him being there. Yeah. So, But then I got COVID on the way home, thanks to the longer who was sitting across from me in there.
3: I somehow escaped that. You did. But well, you did. were
0: one seat further
3: behind. I did so move maybe. seats. I feel kind of bad about that. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> it's like, well, there's open seat
0: back there. I'm going to move back there. Uh, I was about ready to go sit in the bathroom. But uh, the best visual I can give anyone listening is if you've ever seen the movie Tombstone, one of my favorite of all time Westerns with Val Kilmer, Uh, he's Doc Holliday in that. And they really do a great job of making him look like he's coughing his lungs out due to tuberculosis. Well, the guy gets on the plane looking just like Doc Holliday. And he gets seated one row across and one row in front of me. And his wife's in the window seat, he's in the aisle seat. And he hacked on us the whole way. It's all like. Anyone who thinks those airlines are there checking everyone's temperature and stuff? No. No, they're just looking. <laughs> how can we get butts in these seats? I'm sorry, folks. Don't don't count on the airline to look out for you. Yeah. So but while I had COVID you guys went to idaho and this was like to me this was the highlight trip of the year and i didn't even get to go on
3: it well yeah it it
2: did end up being a really cool hunt yeah but like how do you you described it i I don't know all my friends were asking me how it was when i got back and i was like man it sucked (laughs) 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 no but it was there was a lot of challenges in that hunt and You know, it's the classic, like, you draw a glory tag that we've referred to these tags as glory tags for the past couple of years. A tag that you draw and you're super excited. There's a potential for you to kill a big one. Um, In this unit, there's potential for it to be uh, a migration hunt. So hopefully you're going down and looking over a lot of bulls. And when we got there, that was not the case. (laughs) Um, And that was kind of a worry of mine because it's like... If you were to look at this unit, you'd think, well, this is a pronghorn unit. Sagebrush flats, not a whole lot of drainages. There are are a couple major drainages. Um, But if the elk aren't migrating and you're hunting those sagebrush flats and not seeing tracks like we did in our our case, it gets really tough. especially when there's like a road every mile, if not more. Really?
3: Oh, Oh, there's just roads everywhere. And so when you can drive everywhere see everything and to not see a single track it's like this is not this is not
2: good it was very (laughs) discouraging and the whole series the we have a two-part series on the youtube channel so if you guys haven't seen it yet go out and watch it but um i think jonathan who edited it edited it uh did a very good job of portraying the optimism because there was a lot on my side (laughs) of like this sucks. Like, <laughs> we need to go back and come back later, and because the, the the hunt is is December first through the end of the month, and we were kind of thinking prior to going if we go and don't see anything in the first two days, that we just pack it up and come back when there is some weather that comes through. um But yeah, he did a really good job of, you know, portraying
3: that. Well, it, <laughs> I was, yeah, and it's hard to show via video, just like. I mean, you don't want to show a bunch of footage of us just covering ground, and but it's just like the amount of ground that you're capable of covering there is just insane because you can just really? drive roads and you can glass down in the canyons. There's fresh snow, snow two days ago, right? So it's, the elk have had two days to make tracks, and there were none. And we, I mean, just insane amounts of country with no sign at all. Huh.
0: Yeah. But there was some country with Hungarian partridge. Yeah. There was. Yeah. when you shot that Hungarian partridge, Marcus, I'm looking at that, I'm like, man, that guy deserves a raise. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a super sneak,
2: man. That was sweet. <laughs> that whole segment's hilarious. You crawling out of pretty <laughs> sweet. Yeah. The, the, the only the,
0: the most hilarious segment, Michael, is when you got stuck and you yeah. I did not know that Tacoma <laughs> requires you to put your parking brake on to put it in four well, low.
2: Well it's somebody informed me that you don't. But I'm pretty sure it helps to.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Mine's a manual, so maybe it's different. But like you, you have to have it completely stationary, and it can't be any motion in order to get it into four low. There's something I remember. You know, you have to it do, does help you, to yeah, put it it. We'll just it. say you have to. But anyway, <laughs> well, you were stuck. I mean, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. I don't know if people realize is like you were stuck. But yeah. then when we when finally got the rock out, and
2: like, why are you still stuck? Is that was because of the parking brake. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because you had your parking brake on. <laughs> uh-uh. Yeah,
2: that's a classic. You guys know me pretty well. That's a classic me like, thing to do.
0: <laughs> but that makes it fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You. Uh, And I'll just tell you, as someone who wasn't there, it looked, for for, for when it all wraps up, um, and you finish it, Michael, about how you found the bull and what you guys did, because I I think that explains the point I was going to make.
2: Yeah, so um, the first day we got there, we we covered a ton of ground. Uh, We hiked out to Knobs. It was not really Knobs, you know, the rim of the canyons look down, look for tracks on the roads, look for elk, uh, elk sign. Didn't see anything until, um, the evening, actually a spot that Marcus located. We were, well, yeah, was that was east. kind of, yeah, I feel like we agreed on that as far as it's the for it's the only place in the unit that doesn't have roads yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we went out that direction and, and it takes two and a half, three hours to get out there. You know, if we didn't stop and look driving. Three, two, yeah. Yeah. Two it, and a half hours of driving. Yeah. Um, one way to get out there so we got out there uh the first night and did locate marcus found some tracks and you know he was ja- again like jonathan did a good job of portraying me being optimistic here because it looks like outside but i was like dang man we like okay we found th- potentially three tracks because we saw a couple tracks and what we thought were three beds surely it wasn't one elk getting up and bedding in three different yeah. locations. And later in the story, it definitely was three elk. Um, but anyways, find those tracks and, you know, we're looking around, it's super wide open country glass and look and can't find them. And like Mark said, it had snowed, uh, 48 hours. It was, it was a day or two before we got there. I think I it was yeah, a little, so I days. wasn't like super excited about it because they didn't seem like they were just like, yeah. they were just there. This could have been, a day and a half ago, it could have been five hours ago. I'm not a tracker. I don't know how to, you know, read that kind of stuff that well. well in my, what was going through my mind is we saw elk tracks that weren't spooked
3: and we didn't see human tracks. Yeah. And there's zero trees. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. can't hide. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. So we we found those tracks the first night. And then the next day, I wasn't convinced yet that we need to go back. Um, I wanted to go find... The sagebrush bull, the the, the thousands, bigger, yeah, the, the herds of thousands the, that are in yeah. theory, potentially the, there. Yeah, mm. the alleged thousands of elk, uh, bull elk <laughs> that are all 350 or above. But uh, So we spent that whole next day checking out all the other uh, areas that we deemed to be like elk habitat, checking out some smaller drainages um, and nothing that day. Not a track. We didn't find a single track, didn't see a single elk. We hadn't seen any deer. We saw a couple of but that was it. And then that day was when it was like, yeah, well, we have no other option because we've checked out everything that mm-hmm. we thought looked all right. So the plan for the morning is to go after uh, or to go back to that area where we found the tracks. And the good thing too was it was forecasted the snow that night. So if we got, if we get there in the morning if there's elk in there, we're going to see them. And we right. know that they're in here within the pa- past couple hours. Yeah. So we, uh,
0: yeah, that's what this we did. Lo- it was a long haul over there, wasn't it?
2: Oh yeah. it. I mean, it, like, like we said, it takes two and a half, three hours to get over there. We get over there,
0: and you're still in the same unit.
2: Yes. Yeah, what, what
3: did we end up driving the road? 16 hours. Yeah, it the was same like, two track. It was for, a little... for 16 hours. <laughs> well, in the, fir- the first <laughs> night we
2: went, we got lost, and we went to a completely different town. Remember that? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> that one took like four hours to get back. But anyways, <laughs> so uh, we get out there, and it's not. Of, of course, it's not snowing. Mm-hmm. It's raining, Ooh. and we're ca- I'm kind of sitting there thinking about what I want to do. We kind of glass a little bit, um, and then it started snowing. So, we you know used that to our advantage. Started walking around, kind of went to the same area where we did the two nights previous. And I looked down; I wasn't quite like a hundred percent sure. And you're like, "Yeah, it's definitely a track. Definitely a track." And we just started following them, and you could tell, um, you know, as we're getting closer, that these are like really, really fresh fresh tracks we were getting fresh droppings like not steaming piles of crap but like yeah
3: well then it only started snowing 45 minutes ago yeah
2: so that's (laughs) that is a pretty thrilling i've never been part of like those are fresh tracks we're tracking down this bowl we did track one in in two years ago with carson and in montana but um like where you know like you can pop over this rise, and there's an elk there. Yeah. We were moving so slow, so slow. Oh, that's like as soon as we found those, I'm like, we are going to see these elk.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no way we won't. Yeah. Because there's no trees. Yeah. I mean, that's like the yeah. thing in, in Montana. Like, I tra- like following a fresh track, it's like, okay, good luck. Yeah, like exactly. you're gonna you're gonna spook that thing out of its bed. Like, yeah. But here it's like I can see 500 yards that way. So
2: yeah. But so I'm walking around with my rifle out like ready to blast one once i come, like he's going to be right there uh we're following these tracks around uh the and we're getting really close to the rim of this major drainage and you know they're walking around the rim and then i'm like oh they're going to dive down this avalanche chute did it in the first one thank god thank you <laughs> so we keep on walking following them and then we see them the tracks start going towards another chute down into the to the bottom and they decided to go down it <laughs> I, I was pretty
3: shocked yeah because most of that whole rim is essentially a cliff like yeah. Yeah. 30 40 feet at least if not more in some spots yeah. straight down so yeah. i was like i don't know how they get down there honestly but yeah. there, there's obviously a few routes that they
2: use so. yeah and so we make our way up the rim i was about to go down the drainage and you're like yeah maybe just let's go look let's go look up on top first which probably it probably wound up being the right move. Like if I, I think we could have gone down there a little bit just to check. I just wanted to go check, but like, that was definitely a learning lesson for me is like, just think this through and circle up to the top of the room rather than going down and taking a peek. Yeah. So we circled up to the top and then threw up my binos and like mm-hmm. pretty much right away, saw them. And there three bulls, three bulls. And that's where, you know what I was saying earlier in the podcast where we didn't, weren't sure if it was three tracks or one, it was definitely three. It had to be those bulls. Um, and w- we were looking for resident elk and it was a classic, like late season spot from to be just yeah. in a total hell hole, um, away from a road. There's good feed in there. Um, yeah, but it, yeah, it was the furthest spot from a road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> so we see them and I'm, turn around I'm like, dude, they're down there. <laughs> they're really far down there. Uh, but they're all really big. And so I, I, you know, I'm just looking at them at first and kind of just judging like which one I would want to shoot. And and two of them were bedded. One of them was standing and it's kind of like that classic situation that you always hope for of like, at least I do, where I want to like set up and have a lot of time and like be able to go through a breathing cycle and like get a good range and know what's going on so yeah. I think I was giving Marcus some anxiety through this whole process of like, because <laughs> he's like, oh. yeah, it's, if you you're saying like if this was me, I'd just throw the freaking bipods down and shoot him right. <laughs> oh, where yeah. it would have been
3: a it would have been a thirty second encounter. <laughs> if it was me, and I probably yeah. would have missed. because yeah. <laughs> I would
2: have been too excited. Yeah. So, anyways, oh. th- we had to have just come up on him too because, like I said, those two were bedded, but the one was standing, and I, I'm sure they had been down there for fifteen twenty minutes. But we get up there, get the range, two hundred eighty five yards downhill you know we're on the rim of a canyon and it's a six it was a 31 degree slope um so i get set up and i readjust a couple times because i I kept on wanting i I wanted to make sure that my barrel was going to clear the you know the rim essentially so i got situated up a couple different times and you know thinking all right I'm, i'm gonna i'm totally gonna drill this guy rack went in sitting on the gun, go through this breathing cycle, t- deep breath out, squeeze the trigger. And as soon as I squeeze that trigger, I knew I missed. Like, really? I, yeah, I just, cause you can see it in the footage. I just like, I re-rack it so fast. I don't know how I did it that fast. Cause that's yeah, like the you have to train even, for that. The like, bullet wasn't even at the elk by the time you were yeah, It was bad. <laughs> just a, just a terrible shot. I'm sure the <laughs> listeners can, you know, we've all been there, yeah. but, uh, and then, uh hit him hit him that second time and then f- finished him off with the falling one um but yeah the first thing i, <laughs> I turned around I'm like this is gonna suck yeah there just <laughs> i mean i was excited don't get me wrong i was definitely very excited but it's just like when you when you look down and you see how steep that is and you know like bull elk they're heavy <laughs>
0: so, yeah. oh yeah I think everybody picked up on your very first comment after the kill, Michael. You turn to the camera, and, this is going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> but Marcus, he can talk anybody into a situation like yeah. that. Well, will it matter in a year? That's what Bo Beatty would say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right well, now,
3: it, are you mad about it now? No, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. I'm not. You're fine. <laughs> and I, it, I,
2: we didn't capture this, I don't think, in the footage, but, there was a second where I like I was on the gun. I turned around. I was like, you sure we should do this? <laughs> He's like, yeah, dude, we'll get him out. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, from going to like, I'm grateful for the hunt and how it played out mm-hmm. because a lot, i learned a lot just to persevere and stick with it. Um I wouldn't ask for it any other way with, you know, not seeing anything those first couple of days, the struggle and then being rewarded with, all all three of those bulls are really nice nice ones but um yeah it was crazy there's no way i wasn't gonna try and get one of those oh after yeah yeah after and it sounds like in previous
3: years it had been amazing i mean but yeah
2: we talked to we ran into when we were packing out the following day so i guess to go back you know what we did was we we that night we you know we quartered out the elk um, and then shuttled loads up that steep face and that was probably like I said in the videos definitely physically the hardest thing I've ever done in terms of weight and like carrying up a like it it wasn't a you know an eight mile pack out or whatever but it was very physically demanding that at least that first oh, stretch of it is this
3: all uphill Yeah, I mean the whole way back to the pickup was uphill but yeah. that first stretch was really really yeah. rough yeah. Just Anyone steep and rocky <clears throat> and Hands yeah. and knees, but I mean not knees, but hand, You're using your hands most of the time. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I was using a trekking pole to start, and then I just realized it was easier just to scramble it. Yeah. Um. But so yeah, we got those those uh shuttled up to the top of the rim. Each carried a quarter out that night, and then when we came back the next day, we ran into a guy who outfitted out there, and he said that they we were like, "Do you see any bulls?" And he's like, "No, we haven't seen any bulls." And we are like. Uh, or, or vice versa they asked us that and we were like we're actually going to get a bull I shot yesterday and they're like really and we asked them if they had seen any bulls and they're like, "No, besides the one that you just mentioned we haven't seen or heard of any yeah and they, and they had, had been talking to yeah. all the
3: different hunters around and it sounded like there's a lot of hunters and no one had seen a single elk yeah.
2: Yeah. I'd, I'd really be interested I want to know what the success rate, success was rate yeah. is well we had another
3: local message us just this, this week. oh yeah and uh, she said that she had a cow tag there and they are down there all the time. And they even, I think they sh- well, she lived in that area. Yeah. And I think she said they like flew the unit before too. And just
0: didn't see a single elk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, complicated by a few things one they really cranked up the tags yeah. starting about three years ago because of crop damage further north of there mm-hmm. and then two like you said it's a migration hunt and if there's no weather you don't get a migration so yeah they're all in Nevada <laughs> instead of in Idaho yeah. and, well for me as someone who was watching it I'm like man this is like the script for how we talk about late season sanctuary yeah and what late season bulls do yeah. they go the the place where People say, well, what's a sanctuary look like? I say, well, when you walk up there and say, I don't want to shoot an elk in there, that's a sanctuary. <laughs> yeah. And when you, you turned and said to the camera, this is going to suck, I'm thinking, that's ah, a sanctuary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you guys busted your pumps to get that thing out of there. I mean, oh, yeah. video never does it justice. No. Yeah. But it, for what justice video can do, even in video, it looked brutal the way that you guys filmed all that and showed it.
3: Yeah, and it's it's hard because, I mean, packed out plenty of elk and, it's you know, distance almost isn't, it wasn't that far. It was just that steep climb out of there that sucked. I mean, mean,
2: I'd say it was, what like, close to two miles. It was two miles, essentially, yeah. Yeah. But, But, you know, the first part was probably, like, close to, would you say close to a 1,000 feet or? straight Eh, up. It might have been a little less than a 1,000 feet, just straight up. Yeah, And then the rest of the way was just like, you know, the gradual uphill. Because yeah. you're coming up out of a drainage the whole way. Yeah. You park at, at the top.
3: Yeah. But then it's like, I, I would have rather packed out elk six miles on a trail yeah. than that. Yeah. yeah, For sure. But
2: it was worth it. Yeah. Looking back on it, it makes you feel pretty good about yourself when you do something hard. <laughs> and then you look oh, yeah. back and you're like, ah, maybe I'm
0: not such a wuss. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so you guys are jerking my chain while I'm laying on the couch. I'm like, man, what's the update? Marcus is like, we've only seen three elk. I'm like, oh man, that sucks. Sorry, keep at it. Then a day later, I get a picture. You guys have already <laughs> killed the bull, and you don't even tell me about it until I'm "Oh no, two days later." No, we
3: th- or no, we didn't have service. Is what the deal was. Oh, okay. I think we.
0: May you? Did you? We were, I messed change. with you a
3: little bit. Yeah, I, we I definitely. I, I sent you. A, no one that we've talked to some people, right. and yeah. no one has even seen an elk.
0: Right. Yeah. And I said,
2: except for us.
0: Yeah. And, and you then. said you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Was,
2: I I think a lot of people probably didn't see elk too because it is one of those units where it's like, why would you get off the road? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean that,
3: yeah, we didn't see a whole lot of the, the foot traffic we saw in the snow was, uh, you know, walk 30 yards to the rim here, walk 30 yards to the rim there. There wasn't, and we, I don't think I ever saw like a bunch of, uh, people tracks
0: heading out on any of the places that we were hiking. So, Wow. Great job, guys. I, I so don't know that you'll ever... Well, Michael, you're the luckiest we have in the office at drawn <laughs> tag. so we're going to put you in for a early rifle elk tag in Arizona.
3: Yeah. <laughs> just, Let's see how far we can take his <laughs> luck.
0: Yeah. Uh, and uh, who knows, if your luck continues like that, maybe you'll keep shooting bulls that size all the time, but...
3: That being said, I don't think I would ever apply for that unit again.
0: No, I, have, like, I don't think we, think
3: we got super lucky. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, I, I read all the comments on YouTube from the locals. They're yeah. like, I that that used to be such a great unit, I'll never apply there again. That's yeah. pretty much what all of them have said. That's yeah. but I guess that was the goal, right? Is to push
3: them out of the mm-hmm. crop fields.
0: Yeah. yeah, they, accomplish, I they accomplished against. the goal. Yeah. So you shot one of the three resident bowls for winner there, Michael. (laughs) That's
2: what I said 33% of the population right there gone.
0: (laughs) Rough. rough. Uh, Well, for me, it was, I wish I could have been there, but it was the most fun to watch of any of the videos we produced this year. Well, uh, watching Bo. And then I, the other one that I really liked this year, Marcus, you went and did this, was when Bo and his wife and, and son, Kirsten and Wade, they they put a saddle on Ollie, the world's tallest llama, and they went in to a spot where Kirsten had a tag and she shot a buck. Just the, oh, yeah, that was... the warm and fuzzy of that story is, that puts a knot in your throat of just watching that. Oh yeah, that's like one of my favorite
3: all-time hunts, for sure, yeah. that I've been a part
0: of. Yeah. Just filming it. So, that was, yeah. So I guess we, we had some really cool stories. I mean, the Wyoming Mill deer hunting, I would have never dreamed it wouldn't turn no. out that good. Um, but, you know, then you and I went to a different spot a couple of days later, elk hunting, and that turned out to be an absolute bust. I,
3: yeah, no, I don't think anyone's heard that story because
0: no, there isn't I don't much that, story to tell. I don't know that they're going to. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, we never put that. We never made a video out of it. I, you're going to do like a lessons learned or something. I, right? I
0: think so. Yeah. We uh, On the deer hunt, we had elk bugling just like crazy. I was so excited. And then we shoot one deer. I'm like, oh, we still got enough capacity to get an elk out of here. Then Bo shoots a deer. I'm like, mm, boy, we're going to be carrying some of that elk out on our back. And then I shoot a deer two days before elk season opens. I'm like, oh, we're screwed.
1: <laughs> Good
3: thing and those these are deer such nice were huge deer. Huge
0: too. Yeah. Like just a lot of meat on those deer. Yeah, it's amazing how fat they get in that high country yeah. up there. I just did a podcast uh, last week with uh Matt Kaufman and Greg Nickerson of the uh Wyoming Wyoming Migration Initiative. Oh, okay. And what caused me to really want to get them on there is I was lucky. Two years in a row I drew Wyoming elk or uh, deer. Mhm. The first year, the tag, Michael, you, and Jonathan filmed the one out on the winter range. I drew with maximum points. And then last year, uh, I drew uh, with zero points. And, you know, people ask, how did you draw two years in a row? Well, there's two ways. One, 25% of Wyoming's tags are in the random draw. Mm -hmm. And at this point in my life, I apply in the special draw as much as I hate Wyoming charging more for for better draw odds. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. But at this point in my life, I can afford it. And I don't write the rules in Wyoming, so I'm going to do it. Um, well, Bo drew in the random draw, his deer tag, because he didn't have enough points mm-hmm. in the random regular draw. And when I when we were planning this, it was Bo and I. And so I was talking to Lorenzo. And he's like, you got room for someone else? I'm like, you want to go? He's like, oh, me and there And so, yeah, I'd give anything to go. So... He told me he had like a ridiculous number of points. And he's like, well, let's do a party app. I'm like, you know, this isn't a unit you want to burn that many points on. Even as a party app, when we average out, you're burning extra points. We're, we're going to be guaranteed the tech because we'll be way above what's needed. He's like, I don't care. So that's in hindsight, I doubt he regretted it. No, he he didn't regret it at all. But so to answer people's questions, that's how I ended up with the tag two years Mm -hmm. in a row. But uh, I really thought it was cool because the year before we're hunting these deer a hundred and some miles away on their winter, almost on their winter range. they're migrating through this little gap to their winter range. And then this year, we're up there, and I out of the same herd of deer. I shoot one a hundred miles away on the edge of their summer range, just before they're ready to bail off and start their migration. That's super cool. So that's why I uh, I had Matt and Greg on the podcast last week, and that should should be dropping any time now. But. And the other part is, I went and got that buck there on the wall from last year. I got him aged. He came in at five and a half. Really? Yep. So uh, that means he's born in 2014 after that really tough winter. He made it through that winter of 2016, 17. Gotcha. A, what, what would he have been a two and a half year old deer then? Hmm. Whereas the mortality was off the charts for fawns and older bucks out year. So... The buck I shot this year, looking at the teeth and everything, Bow and Lorenzo are. I think that's a six and a half year old deer. So I have the teeth at Mattson Labs here. Uh, Oh, you do? Yeah, I'm waiting to hear back from him. Nice. But who knows? Maybe he was born the same year. But I'm sure he's older than. I mean, he didn't get to that size after the hard winter in 2016-17. I don't think. And I also took the teeth out of Lorenzo's buck because Bo thinks Lorenzo's buck is over eight years old. Just because of his experience with it. He knew that yeah. buck, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, saw, he shot a buck in there, a really big buck. Not that, I not know, I guess. <laughs> he, he passed Lorenzo's buck, what, two or three years prior? I can't remember, but, but yeah. He said it was had all the potential in the world, and so he shot the other one that was like a eight by nine or something that was with it Mm. so yeah buck near Bo knew that buck was somewhere in there couldn't believe how much hunting pressure was there though holy smokes it's I for me going on that hunt was probably the biggest learning experience of my season just to see how Bo and Lorenzo hunt highly pressured male deer I I would have i'll be honest i mean i've told the audience that if it wasn't for Bo, wasn't for lorenzo i i wouldn't have shot that deer i i'm i'm such a casual mule deer hunter i had no idea where those bucks would go how they'd behave how Mm -hmm. they'd respond to hunting pressure and uh they had it pegged yeah for For sure we just hunted the same spot for six days, seven days, whatever it was. And everyone else had come for a day and they'd leave. Ah, oh, there aren't any deer here. Well, about the day they'd leave, we'd shoot one. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that was a, for me, that was a, a really fun hunt. I, I wish I could say that I had some knowledge and understanding about hunting mule deer, but I'd just been the beneficiary of hanging out with people who, who know what they're doing so but uh i guess for me uh, and we've talked about this among ourselves of how to assess 2020 and what we learned from it going forward for 2021 and, i mean i was going to go hunt uh try hunt uh roosevelt elk but because of covid and all the restrictions in oregon matthew and i canceled that hunt mm-hmm So this is two years in a row he and I have canceled our hunt because the year before he had some weird virus for eight months. He was bedridden. They couldn't figure out what he had. They never did figure out what he had. That's crazy. He wasn't able to hunt in 2019 and we canceled 2020. So I've talked to him quite a few times. I said, I I don't care what it is. We're not canceling this year. We're going. (laughs) He's like, yeah, we're going. Nice. one of the parts of getting older, and you probably realize this, Marcus, with your dad, you, know, you went and helped him on that moose hunt this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably looks at it a little differently than you do because he's even a little bit older than I am. But you get to that point where you realize that, you know, <laughs> I don't know how many chapters are in this book, but I'm a pretty good part of the way through the book. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to miss another one. Yeah. So it's, uh, that's a big part about I think what you're going to see for my plans for two, 2021, I just, there's some places I want to go. I'm going to do it somehow. Make it a priority. Make it a priority. And uh, we got a little bit of news uh, Friday. Uh, a court case got settled that a friend of mine who follows federal court laws court cases, sent me this email of this court case that we've been talking about now for the last few days that says uh, film permits are unconstitutional the way that they're currently enforced because expressive content, as the judge said, and had all these other court cases to say expressive content, which includes what we do, Mm -hmm. I'd call it creative content. The term the court uses, expressive, um, falls under the First Amendment. Right of free speech Uh, so you cannot impose an excise tax or any type of tax on somebody exercising a an activity protected under first amendment so
3: if this like stays this way yeah my god the ideas the the potential
0: yeah all of a sudden (laughs) our 2021 season if that case does not get appealed and overturned And people probably don't realize how much film permits impact us. Now, we know that I've been following these film permit rules dotting every I cross and every T I possibly can since, well, for 13 years paying twenty to $25,000 a year in film permit fees. And we all know that some people are like, well, I'll, I'll wait to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Whatever. Uh, but I know there's times where we get the audience says, well, you should go do this hunt. Well, we couldn't get film permits in wilderness areas in a lot of places. Like in Montana this year, the hunt you got sick on, Michael, In advance, we say, here's the area we're going to haunt. And so you get permitted for a geographic location. Well, there aren't any elk there because no elk are coming through. Well, normally, if we weren't filming, I would have packed up and I know the mountain range they come out of. We would have went over there. But I hadn't got a film permit for that area 30 miles away. So now planning the 2021 season. If this court case which was in the district it was in federal court in the district of columbia so it becomes law of the land some would say only for that area or that district um, but you can make a pretty compelling case that no unless it gets appealed and overturned it's a law of the land as a federal decision uh, if it stays that way All of a sudden, all these stories we've had on the board of man—someday we'd love to tell this story. Someday we'd love to tell that story.
3: Yeah, it's in. How does so? How is it going to work with like? Because in the Wilderness Act, like, didn't it have something about that, or was that Mm -hmm. that was this added
0: via regulation? The Forest Service and the Bureau, Bureau of Land Management. And I'm trying to remember when it was, 2001, somewhere in there, early 2000s, a law was passed by Congress. It's only like, it might've been 2003, public law, something, something dash 2003. Uh, It's only about three sentences. And it says, this law hereby directs the secretaries of interior, which the BLM falls under that and the secretary of agriculture, uh, forest service falls under that. Uh, to promulgate regulations governing film permits. Hmm. And from there, those agencies, uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the BLM, the U.S. Forest Service, went and came out with these film permit regulations. And like last year, the BLM gave me a film permit in a wilderness area. In the same unit right next door, the Forest Service denied me a film permit in the wilderness area in the same unit. Right. So well, it's been arbitrary,
3: and it yeah. and it it's, wasn't standardized across no agencies or field offices for that no. matter. I mean, one <laughs> BLM field office operated completely different from. I mean, they have no. the same general forms you fill out, but it's like yeah. they expect different things and have a different process of how they did yeah. it. So if this is, oh man, I, you're gonna have to find more stuff for me to do if we don't I have know. to do film permits anymore. You're gonna have to give I me know. more work. All right. All
0: right. Well, <laughs> for me, I I. Whether film permits apply or don't apply, Um, we're still sticking to the way we've always done things. As far as no trace principles, oh yeah, we're we're gonna be as good advocates for public land as we possibly can. Nothing's changing from what our message is. If the Forest Service or BLM could benefit from us doing a video like you guys in the bear hunt did, the the bear video, bear safety, bear safety yeah. video. We've done a, for the forest service, we've done a, how to extinguish your fires properly. I mean, we've done videos for them. Right. Uh, and we'll keep doing them. Um, but for us, you know, some of the best goat areas in Montana and you and I sitting on all these mountain goat points, we've always said, well, we can't go there because it's wilderness area. So, sheep hunt yeah, yeah. First, oh i uh,
3: yeah i was gonna put in there anyway this year i think i was just over it <laughs> <And> <laughs> but now so, we can film it
0: yeah if i draw and so when i was telling bo this on friday night when i read the case i read the case multiple times i'm like does this say what i think it says and it does he was so excited he's like oh if we took eight llamas we could it's like well, bull, we got to stay within the boundaries of the United States. I mean, when he's talking about how far we're going, <laughs> uh, he was so excited. But so for us, 2021, we learned a lot of lessons in 2020 about maybe not spread ourselves so thin, um, you know, <laughs> have a way to make sure we can tell a story regardless of the weather, the wind, though, whatever. Uh, but now that could open up a whole new. I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't think people realize how constraining those film permit regulations yeah. were for us. Now, the people who said, screw it, I'm not going to follow them, it hasn't been constraining for those. And it's been very hard for us to watch that. Yeah. Because we would want to go tell some of those same stories, but we haven't been able to because of film permits.
3: Oh, and make, yeah, especially for my style of hunting, too. Like, I, there was yeah. one year where Kara and I were hunting opening week of archery season we hunted six mountain ranges wow in yeah. seven days yeah
0: <laughs> so for us to get so for us to get a film permit for that we'd have to do six different permit applications there's usually a $250 application fee and a $250 recovery fee so that's 500 bucks times six that's $300 yeah per or uh, not 300 uh $3,000 for just the application and recovery fees plus the daily use fee. Right. So if people are wondering why sometimes we really grunt it out in a certain area and we don't get up and move, that's a bit... Usually that's the reason why. Like, Michael, how long on Jerry's hunt? How, how, five days in a row we sat on the sat same on the rock? rock. <laughs> because we weren't permitted on the west half of the unit. Yep. And so... <laughs> That's pretty exciting. I don't know yeah, if yeah, that hold is up. really exciting. Um, the question then becomes: Do I ask for my if it quote unquote was as the court said unconstitutional? Do I ask for my thirteen years of twenty thousand dollars a year? to ask for a refund? You should.
3: you should. You should. If you get it back too, you should put all that money into some like public access <laughs> fund. Do, donate it to some public access project and make a big scene
0: about it. It'd be great. There you go. A forced savings account. Wow. <laughs> no i i i I'm all about you know doing the right thing because it's public land um, and I want to promote it properly and and you know pay whatever reasonable fees there are um, but if the court says some of this is in violation um, and it's an interesting case because uh the the judge asked. The, the defendant i.e. the department of Just, justice defended the parks it was under department of interior but instead of the blm or the u.s fish and wildlife service this case actually came out of the national park service which again is under department of interior they impose or, or go by the same set of film permit rules uh the one of the things of the five points the five uh points that were argued, uh, the one of them was, well, we have to do this to protect the resource. And I get that. I mean, no one wants right. to see damage to the resource. And the judge said, well, this person was a crew of four. And they're subject to all your permit rules. But what about if it was a crew of 30 out? not Because not, it sounded like this group was filming on the shoulder of a road when they got the ticket. Uh, what if it was a group of 30 out marching through wherever? That were non-commercial. That were non-commercial. Yeah. They just were doing it as a group of students got together as a film project, or just some yeah. friends who were like, "We do this every year, like Burning Man, right, <laughs> right. out in the desert in Nevada." And the response was, "Well, we can't, you know, under our rules as they exist, we can't, can't we can't control that group of 30. And the judge is like, "So you're telling me these rules are to protect the resource?" But you completely ignore the group of 30 with booms and trucks and everything else. But you're going to focus on this group of four with one camera on one tripod and some mics and stuff. And uh, it, it, when you read the case, it was not a very well defended case by the, by, by the Department of Justice.
1: Yeah. So.
3: I can't imagine so. it's not going to be... Appealed or something yeah. will change, but uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: So reading it, uh, I don't think they'll succeed in getting the the commer- the the tax, the the fee. I don't think they'll succeed in getting that reinstated because it's very clear how big the umbrella is of expressive content, and it goes back to all kinds of newspaper cases, magazines, news stations. And trying to restrict those items with a fee, I mean, I had no idea. I'm reading all these cases over the weekend. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, you, you cannot tax someone's exercise of a constitutional right mm-hmm. or charge a fee for it. Where they could change it is to say, look, we're, we are going to protect the resource. And so we're going to p- impose rules that affect everybody not just people doing quote-unquote expressive content.
3: Right. So, well, and there already are a lot of rules in mm-hmm. place
0: that, right. like you know, drums. not damaging certain aspects of off-road mm-hmm. travel. Yep. And um, I think those will be put in place. But imagine if they said, well, to, to keep filming out of wilderness areas, you can't film in a wilderness area or, or take photographs. Well, that same rule, according to this case, has to apply to n- non-commercialists or hobbyists or just average citizens. I don't think they want to take on the idea of, oh, you can't use your cell phone to film. Hey, you know, any, any... Take a photo. Yeah. They, they're not going there. Yeah. So I think what they'll have to do is to say, you know, if you're a group over whatever, 10 and you're going to go do something out on public lands, you probably need to get permitted just to make sure you're not damaging the resource, whether you're commercial or non-commercial, whether you're expressive content or just a hobbyist. Right. So they have some challenges in front of them to overturn that. And like I've said all along, I've paid these fees and I've said, hey, we're using a public resource. Well, I, I don't have a problem paying it back to your point of the inconsistency and the, and the, you know, lack of just how it's enforced and you call this office and yeah, you got to run through the ringer and then you call that person. Oh, don't worry about it. Yeah. Just fill out this form. we will have it back to you in three days. And so, yeah. But so. And
3: that's the other thing that kind of gets me too, is it's like it would feel better about it if it's like, like you buy your deer tag and you feel good about like Mm -hmm. that money is going towards management of a species. And like, I can feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Whereas this money, as far as I, from what I understand, it's basically going to overhead and like Mm -hmm. just ruffling papers around. (laughs) And then they still lose money on it somehow (laughs) by this whole process. They still don't actually make any money on it. And so it was, it's just like a whole bunch of, moving papers around and nothing actually happening. And
0: yeah, so. Well, uh, and so you would go to whatever forest or whatever BLM district and you'd take forever to get your permit. And you'd call and say, well, what's going on? Well, the, the archaeologist hasn't looked at it yet. The, right. the NEPA specialist hasn't looked at it yet. The, you know, threatening endangered species biologist hasn't looked at it yet. And so you realize how the federal government has set this up for, you know, me and one of you. Mm-hmm. No different than two other hunters out there or two other hikers, really. They were losing their butt on these, and I'd ask them, "You guys make any money?" But I mean, it got to be costing way more than the two hundred and fifty dollars application fee and the two hundred and fifty dollars recovery fee. They just laughed. They're like, "Make money on these? We're losing our shirt." And it seems that way. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's just, it's kind of hilarious because yeah, you got two people out there walking around like the impact on the environment is so minuscule whereas me and my 10 buddies can go down to moab and rip around wet trails on our mountain bikes and tear tear them up and no there's nothing i don't have to pay anything to do that
0: yeah so the other thing this year we're gonna go back to doing as many outcomes as possible yeah uh and Michael's like, yeah. Marcus <laughs> is nodding his head. Uh, the one thing we know in every survey we've done of our audience, and all of the feedback we get from any of our uh, analytics, our worst elk hunt does better than our best deer hunt. <laughs> <laughs> it just—it is how it is. I—I I don't know what to... Yeah. I guess it's just elk. Yeah. It's not my pretty face. It's not that I have any talent. Kara, everyone likes when Kara's archery hunting. She just, she's a killer. All so.
3: right. Got to talk her into another hunt.
0: Oh, okay. Well, she'll do it. It's just whether I can film it or not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tell me what the fee is. <laughs> uh, but no, I think we're going to do more elk hunts. Yeah. If you guys are up for that. I'm mm-hmm. totally fine with that.
3: Yeah. yeah. We just have to have... Tags. I know. Or we just keep filming. If we fill our tags in Montana, we're gonna have to
0: do over the counter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll go over the counter. I. Are you guys interested in doing the Colorado thing I threw out there? Potentially. Potentially. Depend- well, that, depends that, on that, what that happens. That was in... not a real affirmative statement. Well, Mara. if I'm gonna be doing Wyoming. I'm well, the Col- to... Colorado's in uh, late October, right. early November. Yeah. You on board with that, Michael? Sign me up. If somebody wants... I'm just worried
3: about my freezer space. I should have two elk down by then. That's what I want. (laughs) Oh, okay.
0: Man, he's already put the jinx on himself. (laughs) Well, I'm sure with nine other people here besides me, I think you take all nine of those freezers, there's some space to Mm -hmm. move it around a little bit. Wow. And elk just... The landscapes at Elk Live, there's some cool stories to tell there. And it
3: just, it's a big animal with a huge set of antlers that makes a crazy noise. Yeah.
0: They talk <laughs> It's interesting. To you, uh, yeah. yeah. And, they taste really good. Uh, yeah. That's the beauty of elk. Like antelope, I love the taste of them, but they're just not enough meat there. You fill mm-hmm. a tag and it, you, know, you get a little bit of meat and you're like, dang, I'll eat that in a month.
3: It'd be nice if it was opposite because where antelope tend to live, I usually shoot them. They're not very far from a road. It'd be nice if the big chunks of meat (laughs) were closer to the road and then the small
0: chunks of meat lived further from the road. (laughs)
1: That'd be way more
0: convenient. I would like that. I'd go for that. Yeah. So the other thing is uh, we're going to stay in Montana for archery season next year. Why we leave Montana... I cannot think of any reason we would leave Montana in September.
3: I think that we're going to end up drawing some tag. I feel
0: like it happens every year that something will get drawn that will pull you away. Yeah. I'm I'm <laughs> to the point where I'm probably buying points again for pronghorn in Utah. Yeah. Because it's right in the heart of... it It's like September 18th to the 26th or something. I love hunting pronghorn. So nothing
3: you apply for in Nevada or New Mexico or Arizona is going to happen to fall in September?
0: So far, not. You're going to
3: draw like a desert sheep or
0: something? That's December. Okay. (laughs) I've already looked (laughs) at them. I've I've already got my tentative (laughs) calendar and my whiteboard there. And the only thing that is going to possibly draw in conflict with September is Montana bighorn sheep and Montana moose. Well, this will be my 30th year of applying. <laughs> so, what are the odds of me drawing that? Less than zero. <laughs> well, you can't have less than zero odds, but it seems <laughs> like it. So, goat, I wouldn't go do goat until October or November if I were to draw anyhow.
3: Huh? Yeah, I guess you got um, long seasons on all those. So. Yeah, other than that, there's. I don't believe it when I see it. I just feel yeah, like, I feel like, we, I feel like no matter how three hard we, we've been saying, no matter that. how hard we try, stuff just like September, boom! Like everything is happens right, yeah. right in the middle of September.
2: I do, do want to. I think this will be fun.
1: I
3: hope we do it. I I do too, but I just don't think it's gonna happen. I'll believe so, it when I see all it. All right, <laughs> something's so, gonna happen.
0: You know, our buddy Corey over at Elk 101. He's asked if we would go and do an elk hunt and loan some of the footage to him to put in his elk 101 series so we do it on our youtube channel but he's got this whole new thing he's cooking up that sounds really cool so i said well i'll go do it for my archery elk hunt in montana but i don't know if anyone else will do it so i gotta find somebody who's willing to have a camera in their face and really impose on them that's going to be separate
3: from the content that we're filming,
0: or what do you? Like? It'd be an elk 101, Gotcha. The destination elk, but only bits and pieces of it, oh. kind of like they're checking in on us, sort of thing. Uh, and then it would be a full-blown thing on ours, uh, and uh, obviously an Amazon episode and everything, unless I sink my alpaca raft in the middle of the river or something i'm already tilting my hand here about what i'm gonna do so. <laughs> and if you want an alpaca raft i suggest you go buy one and use promo code randy 2021 and they'll give you a big discount you guys brought them to alaska did you guys use them
3: we never ended up using them up there yeah. well we you're gonna get to the use summer. them
0: in a few months yeah we are yeah you yeah guys are going to alaska Yep, that's the
3: plan. We're just gonna paddle around in those. I'm yeah. excited.
0: That's really a cool thought when you think about it, because the the normal logistic complication of Alaska is renting a skiff, and people have seen me do it. The camera crew and the guest hunter fly to one place, and I fly to this little uh, native village where I have a have my own 20 horse Yamaha motor stored. <laughs> And then I get in this boat because the Alaska law is if you rent a, a skiff, you have to get it from the location of the renter. You can't have it delivered to you out there. Right. Well, a couple of times I've had to cross that bigger chunk of water there in that little 16-foot with that 20 horse, and boy, I tell you what, it's a pucker factor. Your, your butt just really gripping the seat when you're going across there. Yeah, so. I
3: think that's one of the big barri- barriers to entry. I mean, that's what I was kept thinking about. I was like, I don't, I don't know enough about boats to to yeah. do that. Yeah. So it'll be nice. But if, if we can be successful with the pack rafts and just, I mean, obviously we won't cover near as much ground,
0: right. but. But you're going to be successful. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll I find them. Out. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. If it's anything so. like it high, has been. At high tide, they can get you into some of those spots with a beaver. At high tide. Either get you in and get you out that a lot of people just can't get into. Right. Because they're not willing to screw with those big tides. Whereas if you got a little raft, pack, alpaca raft, off you go. Right. And you guys can just pitch it, pitch your camp anywhere along a beach. That's a, you know, a point that, a, that the beaver can pull up to. It's, yeah. That's it,
3: what I think. Well, I mean, we'll have, I think if we just have like our pick up and drop off location and then just bring fairly light mm-hmm. camps. Yeah. The only thing I'm worried about is, well, I guess we could just, if we had a, we'll bring coolers, but just leave them at the pickup and drop off location. Yep. And then we can just shut, we could take a camp up wherever. Yeah. Just be mobile or go where the bears are.
0: I, I wish I was going and just. Yeah. They take, they,
3: what, they rolled your tag
0: two years ahead. Yeah. Because of COVID in 2020 they gave me the option, me and my niece, Jordan, uh, we're going. They let you roll it forward to 2022, and they took all those tags out of the pool for this year. it will be really hard to draw. The draw odds for D, for uh, bear in Alaska and those southeast units where non-residents got to draw. It's going to be really tough because the pool of tags got shrunk by all the jerks, right? Jerks like me who said, "Yeah, I'll roll forward <laughs> for sure." Uh, but you guys are going to have a ton of fun on that one. You. Yeah. Bring in a fishing Michael, you and your fishing problem. I don't know that you're allowed to bring a fishing rod because you won't, you'll end up not killing <laughs> oh, a bear. No, That's that, what I want to go try to find. It's coming. Because it'd be, what,
3: that time of year, it's like steelhead and then maybe king salmon. Yeah. If, but I guess you have to watch all the closures and stuff. But yeah. I think if we, if we caught him in the open ocean... I was looking at the rigs. I'm, I was getting excited.
1: <laughs>
3: well, if it's anything like last yeah. time, I mean, we'll be done bear hunting right away. We'd need something to do for a while. Well, or maybe fine. we'll fish first and then, you know, shoot our
0: bears at the last end. Last afternoon. Yeah. yeah. We'll just leave the last something afternoon with our bear hunting. That's be fine. No, I would strongly suggest you guys focus on the bear hunting before you get worried about fishing.
3: Maybe it'll so, go hand in hand. Are the bears going after the steelhead at all that time of year? Or are they just, like, eating green grass? They're just...
0: Mostly green grass. Yeah. There's not much of a salmon run going on at that point i mean there's some but yeah. not that congregates the bears along the river like <clears throat> other times of year it's my oh man i wish i was going i have to wait another year <laughs> dang it's so much fun yeah it's, it's just like a surprisingly
3: well minus if it's raining that's one thing but i feel like the two times i was there it's just pretty relaxing yeah. it was like kind of Almost a laid back hunt because you're just like the bears come out to you almost rather than you have to go seek them out. I mean, well, we putzed around in the boat, but
0: yeah. And if you shoot one, it's not like you're packing them out of some canyon like in the Rockies, just paddle right over there, throw (laughs) it in the boat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, that'll be fun. Oh, yeah, Uh, that's on the list for 2021. So I know. I I think we're going to throttle back a little bit. We're going to focus more on the quality of the stories. And uh, like I said, wherever possible, we're going to have two two of you guys teamed up, camera. So the two of you, Jonathan and Dale, and come back with way more footage than the editors ever want (laughs) to (laughs) see. So uh, it could be a great season if we get a little bit of luck. A yeah. few decent tags. Matthew's sitting on so many elk points. <laughs> Ridiculous. So I asked him, I said, Well, what do you want to apply for? Elk, elk, and more elk. So cool. Yeah. And I said, Well, what if you don't draw elk? Well, I'll burn my Wyoming pronghorn points. He's sitting on enough pronghorn points that he could draw everything other than Unit 60 is the only unit he couldn't draw. Nice. Um, and I said, well, uh, you want to go do that? And he's like, you know, pronghorn's fun, but it's way more fun if you do it with somebody. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I get that. <clears throat> he said, I'd rather go with Uncle Larry and Uncle Mike and loan my points and they could join me. Yeah, so cool. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I, Obviously, I'm tagging along just because it's a family mm-hmm. gathering, but I don't, I don't need a tag for that much fun. So... You guys will have your hands full. Yeah, I want to go on that one. (laughs) Have an Uncle Mike, Uncle Larry one. I can't even imagine. Uh, You get hacked on a lot for the bleeping when you're on camera, Michael. I need to cut back on that. Sorry, guys. But but (laughs) For some reason, if you're over age 70, you get a pass. (laughs) I don't know if that's from the movie Grumpy Old Men. (laughs) (laughs) The people are like wow there's you know old farts uh, the grumpy old man uh, they can we can bleep them all we want (laughs) Uh, so there's like a different expectation but if we can get larry and mike on a combined hunt for pronghorn in wyoming it will be it'll be classic be one for the ages let's do it yeah Plus, I got two sweepstakes winners I got to take this year. Try to get them both done. And... and they won't draw anything in September. No, I'm not applying them in September. I told them both. We're going rifle hunting in October or November. What do right, you want? Right. So I already, che- did their wi- I already did their Wyoming applications. Uh, sometime in the next week, I'll do their New Mexico applications. Because the beauty of it is, New Mexico, even though the deadline's later, we find out about new mexico in time to withdraw their wyoming application if they were to draw gotcha so and the one sweepstakes winner has 11 points in wyoming and he's willing to burn them he's willing to burn them all right and i said well you know since you're not paying the freight we're paying the freight you mind if we apply in the special draw He's like, if, if you're paying the fee, yeah, heck yeah, let's, let's apply in the special draw then, the more expensive one. So I just did his application this weekend. Nice. And uh, he's pretty excited. He's an accountant also. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <Two> <laughs> what, account- what does that mean? <laughs> Two accountants on an Alcon. I don't know, that could, that could you guys be bad. Talk some serious tax law.
3: Yeah, <laughs> some uh, thrilling uh, content.
0: We'll yeah. get on that. <laughs> Debits and credits or something. Yeah, reconciliation or something. So, no, it'll be. It should be a good season. I. I hope. Appreciate how hard all you guys work. I got the easy job. Uh,
3: I don't know about that.
0: Yeah. You're working all the time. Yeah, uh, dude works yeah.
3: more than anyone I know.
0: Yeah. That's, that's just... Uh trying to keep the operation afloat so you guys can't keep, keep getting paychecks. Because <laughs> I, I suspect if the paychecks stopped, you guys would be looking for work somewhere else.
1: But, <laughs> I, mean, but
0: I, don't I, I don't know, Michael. I, I, I've offered Marcus the option that I'll buy him a stone sheep hunt if he'll work a year for minimum wage. I keep saying but I'm worried. Yes. Biden said they're, they're, yes. they're raising in, in minimum wage yeah. to 15 bucks. <laughs> I'm in. Let's do it. (laughs) But I told him I need a permission slip from Kara before I'll do it. So I don't know if you have any dream thing like that that you want to do because you wouldn't need a permission slip. You're not married. No i could do whatever i want
3: going like gt fishing or something yeah
2: probably be something like yeah it's probably something like that some fishing trip everybody's like this
0: guy's a loser
2: (laughs) (laughs) what a loser what a loser (laughs) this guy wants to go on a fishing trip (laughs) Uh,
0: well i don't know what fishing trip would be worth working minimum wage for a year yeah I don't know. Well, think about it. I'll think about it and let you know. All right. Op- <laughs> option is still there. I uh I don't know if Marcus is ever gonna get me that permission slip. It's forger signature. No, I'm the <laughs> trust me, I'm calling to get verification because the last thing I want is for Carrie to show up in this office. Box my ears or something. So but did you know that in 2023 you're going to the Northwest Territories the McKenzie Mountain?
3: Yeah, it's happening,
0: huh? It looks like it. All right. If, it all depends. Um, and this is another thing about age. You kind of, instead of, for me anyhow, it's not about species that kind of have this bucket list, check the box thing. It's locations. Like when we went and did the Cassiars. Yeah. Like, with this moose and the caribou. In two thousand nineteen that was a bucket list item. Uh the Brooks Range is still a bucket list item. But a couple of years ago we got to do the Wrangles. Mm-hmm. That was a bucket list location. And the McKenzie Mountains are there it's the top of my bucket list location is the McKenzie's. Um and so uh it looked like it was gonna be twenty twenty-two, but with COVID the outfitter had to push everything off and uh, I'm going to let a little bit of the cat out of the bag as we're trying to do a fundraiser for a sheep group as part of it where I'm going to go buy this hunt. The outfitter said, look, I'll give this sheep group a really screaming deal if you guys are going to bring another person with you who wins the drawing. They're going to win a, <laughs> a doll sheep hunt uh, in the McKinsey's. I mean, how cool is That's that? Be That'll be pretty wild. Probably the the part they'd say is, "Well, I'd go if Newburgh wasn't going. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy tickets, but so no. Landscapes are really, really important to me at this point. Like the the elk hunt we did, Michael, this year in Colorado. All you could, you probably got tired of me talking about how many times <laughs> I drove by that place and said, "Someday I'm going elk hunting there, and I'm going to do it, oh man." I don't know i 've always been connected to landscapes and the stories, and so now that's that 's probably what drives my applications more than anything, like this year for my Montana elk application. there's a place I used to hunt elk a lot, archery, and i haven 't done it since two thousand twelve or thirteen something like that i can't remember maybe two thousand and ten i can 't even remember i 'm doing it this year because of the landscape is what attracts me, and uh, <clears throat> I miss it, so. I know, not. see what's going to happen when you guys get old. You're going to have all these esoteric things <laughs> in your head. That, like, yeah, that's why I'm going hunting. People look at you like, why? <laughs> all the young people look at you like that, but I don't, I don't know. know. I still yeah.
3: like, yeah, I mean, I already love trying to experience new places, see new, new mountain ranges.
0: Yeah, and for me, like I... I've said in a lot of places, there are a lot of our content, and I don't know. I've ever said it well enough that it makes the final cut. But a lot of people will ask, "Well, why don't you just go hiking there? Why do you got to go hunting there?" When you hunt a landscape, you're immersed in it, and you're seeing it, and interpreting it, and reading it in a way that I never get to that depth when I'm hiking.
3: Just... It just forces you to be in situations that you would otherwise not be in. Yeah. Cause... Yeah. I've thought the same thing, and I think I will do it someday—is go on a stone sheep hunt with no stone sheep tag. I'm gonna go as yeah. soon whenever the border opens back up. I'm gonna go to British Columbia and go backpacking. Just, but that is the just, thing. I mean, if you're not hunting them, it's like, what? Why would I be on top of that mountain at first light? But yeah. you know, if you have a camera in hand, maybe it'd be fun to try right. to get photos or something. But yeah, it is. Yeah. It's totally different because, like, why would you be up at the crack of dawn on that ridge? Yeah. If you're just hiking in there, it kind of forces you into those situations that mm-hmm. see stuff you would never otherwise
0: see. Yeah, I mean, where we were elk County in Colorado, would you climb up to 12,000 feet in October with a bugle and go up there and bugle? And when you got a response instantly, your mind is like, all right, how's this elk going to use the landscape? Right. What are the cows doing? Where's the water? Where's the feed? When I'm hiking, I'm just up there, you know, having a good time enjoying the scenery or the weather hoping someone's dog doesn't bite me on the trail or something (laughs) and that's about as immersed as i get when i'm hiking maybe i'm approach hiking the wrong way but when i'm hunting my mind is reading and interpreting and making decisions every minute about what what's going on out there see a wolf track, see a bear track. All right. Oh, what does that mean? Like when we were in Arizona and we saw those mountain lions Yeah. and you're thinking, all right, how is that going to affect when those mountain lions drop down into this drainage where we're trying to shoot a deer, what's that going to do? Really? I mean, it was super cool to see him and I'm really glad we did. But if I was hiking, I wouldn't have thought about it in the same context and the same depth Yeah. as when I'm out there with a tag in my hand, trying to put food in the freezer. So, I think that's where the whole landscape part of it gets me so tied to it. But, well, we've kept the folks an awful long time, guys. You guys are <clears throat> filming this. Did we run out of camera yet? I see a red, yeah, yeah. a red light, so hopefully yeah. not. Okay. Well, I've been over here playing with my shot off antler the entire time. <laughs> Uh, they, we have this British Columbia moose in our office, and right below it, we found the the tine <laughs> when I shot it off. So we keep it here as a souvenir, and yeah. kind of uh, it serves as a good introduction for anyone who wants to heckle me about my shooting talent. So, <laughs> but, well, thanks for all your hard work, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And, thanks for uh, the job. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Look forward to 2021 being a. Uh, a more sane year but so far it's already off to craziness so i don't know <laughs> we're, we're, we're it'll be good yeah. this could be great we're gonna we're, we're in, gonna in the process find so of, many elk yeah we're in the great. process of building a new office building and uh these guys look at me today when i walked in here they could probably sense i was stressed and they talk to me politely and silently, quietly, like, you okay, man? Nope. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> but, oh, wow. That's what makes it such a great country, right? Yeah. We can do all these things. Oh, well, yeah. So... Thanks for being here, folks. Hope you're all healthy, happy, and that your mailbox is so stuffed with tags this year you can't hardly get the lid shut. Hope you need a backpack. Hope you need a Mystery Ranch Metcalf from the Go Hunt gear shop to haul all those tags from the mailbox (laughs) to your house. And if you want to save 10% on a Mystery Ranch Metcalf, go to GoHunt.com and use promo code Randy when you check out. Most things in your cart will give you a 10% discount. And if you want to use it to haul all that big cumbersome bundle of tags you have, that, what the heck? People, what do you got in your pack? My tags. <laughs> really? You need a pack like that for all your tags? I sure hope so. I'm an optimist. Michael does, as lucky as that guy is. If if you draw another tag this year, Michael, like you did the previous two years, I think an investigation could be warranted. <laughs> Watch, he will draw a sheep tag with three points. Oh, that'd something. be awesome. Yeah, if you do that. <sighs> I feel
3: really he could, bad, honestly. You could though. Unlimited.
1: Yeah. Well, you can film though. All right, folks. Take care.